Jared, we've started a podcast. What's it felt like? It has been quite interesting. I've really, really enjoyed it. It's, it's good work and I think it's good content and just the feedback we're getting from week one has been really, really good. Dude, my mom's feedback is great. She loves it. I think our moms are the biggest fans because my mom said the exact same thing. If we, sh- if, we, if we got Connect Podcast merch, that'd be the first people to buy. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to the Connect Podcast week two. We are so gr- glad you have joined us. We are talking about our grief and hope series. And this week, we are talking about processing hard things. We've entitled the podcast Inside Out. Wow. Tell us a little bit about that, Ben. Before we do that, though, I want to know your favorite Disney Pixar movie. Oh, I think I have to go with the greatest of all time in Bambi. <laughs> Bambi's so sad, bro. Like, everyone dies. I mean, it's, it's perfect for this week. <laughs> you know, that's the weird thing about these, um, these old Disney movies like Cinderella and Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. They're all based off, like, super dodgy fairy tales. Like, if you go read the actual fairy tale, they're, like, vicious and violent, and no one would read them to their kids. It's quite interesting. Disney goes, like, Jesus and redeems them and turns them into something beautiful. Except Come for on. Bambi, where everyone dies. My favorite, favorite Disney Pixar movie, I don't even know if it is Disney or if it is Pixar, but I really, really enjoy the movie Up. Oh, yes. It's good fun. It is one of the most beautiful stories. The first and 20 minutes is so sad, and then the next is great. And the music is so good. Music. Okay, I don't really care about music. Today we're talking about Inside Out. Um, I think it's a Pixar movie. Yeah. I probably should have checked that before. But in the story of Inside Out, there's a little girl lives with her family, and she she like loves ice hockey, and it takes you inside her brain. And there's like these little people that are her her emotions. If you haven't watched the movie, you have to go watch it. And there's an emotion for joy, there's an emotion for sadness, there's one for anger, and you can see inside everyone's brains all these different emotions are functioning. And then in her brain are these big islands. There's like an island for family, an island for ice hockey. And then every time something beautiful happens, a memory is stored. And then uh, when she dreams, they pull in memories from the memory bank, and she has these like dreams at night. Anyway, so she moves and she leaves her ice hockey and her um, and the place where she grew up and her family moves towns. And um, inside her brain, you see the story of joy and sadness, mm. and they're trying to cope with this like adolescent, uh, pre-adolescent teen like moving. And I know, I know Jay, do you remember adolescence, bro? It was a rough time, bro. It was rough. I rough. remember my voice going all like squeaky. Stuff changes and it's insane. And so you guys would know what that's like. And uh, basically, as she forms memories, Joy is trying to hold everything together. And she sees every time sadness touches one of the memories, every time sadness gets involved, the little girl cries. So Joy gets so angry with sadness and tries to like control her all the time and eventually says, sadness, don't move. And she like draws a circle on the ground and makes her stand there. But what happens is the little girl's emotions start shutting down. And if you imagine your emotions are like a switchboard at the house, it's not like you can just turn off one emotion yeah. and then all the rest turn off. It's more like the earth leakage. If you, if you turn off one, everything turns off. And so if she turned off sadness, she actually struggled to feel joy and that little girl starts becoming depressed. And then what happens is towards the end of the movie, everything culminates and Joy is trying to stop sadness and then sadness reaches out and touches this one memory and Joy touches it at the same time. And the little girl cries, she bursts into tears, she cries. And then the memory turns into something beautiful with joy. Mm. And I feel like that's such a beautiful picture of how we're supposed to process emotions. We're supposed to feel pain and grief. Yeah. And then after that, we're supposed to experience joy. 
Yeah. Um, this week, we're going to be using a, a really, really powerful tool. We're going to be using the, the five stages of grief. Um, it was designed by a lady called Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. Um, and, and what we want to say, first of all, is that this is not a step-by-step -step process on how to overcome hard times and realities. We just want to equip you and be able to process, help you process what you're facing. Yeah. Um, and, and we're just going to use this management tool. It's like an emotional management tool. Um, and, and so it's important to understand that this is a transitional process. It's not like something that's, that flows one step after the other. Like it has to go in and out. So you go between stages sometimes before you get to the final point of acceptance. And sometimes even you go back and, and have to re-deal with that again. Yeah, that's um, really good. And so I think the, the, the disclaimer we want to make is we don't claim to be experts on this subject. Um, we're just speaking on our own journeys and our own experiences of, of being able to use this process. Yeah, and uh, I think you have a really powerful story because you lost your father at a young age. And so um, you, you're not claiming to be an expert, but actually we're saying like we've been through stuff. Yeah. Um, and so what's a really powerful way to open is Ecclesiastes 3, 4. A time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. Give context on the fact <laughs> that there's a time for everything. I think that was a note, not a part of the verse, and I just read it. <laughs> but here's what we want to say, that there's both a time to cry and a time to laugh. And we've got to know that um, right now I'm crying, mm. but like morning, like laughter will come in the morning. And uh, we can't live in these painful emotions. So um, take us into stage one, bro. The first stage is denial. So in denial, we are trying to minimize the pain. We're min trying to minimize the, the feelings of being overwhelmed. Um, and a lot of the time, you're going to be trying to find ways to survive and, and ways to find coping mechanisms yeah. um, just to get through. Because ultimately, like there's a new reality. There's a bit of a shock. There's a bit of a numbness that we're feeling. Um, and, and it's about how do we move forward. But actually, we can't move forward until we actually start dealing with it. And so it's important that with denial, that if you're going to deny a hard reality and, and the pain that you're feeling, it means you're going to deny the healing that you're going to experience. Sure. And it's actually not, um, it's not a bad thing. Yeah. Because uh, just to use your story for a moment, if at the moment your father had died, um, the full reality of that had hit you, you would have shut down completely and not been able to function. But because there's an element of like numbness and denial, it meant that you were able to experience that massive grief in, yeah. and, and process it through for a little bit. Um, but it, you can just imagine that if it all hit you at once, it would completely disable you. So it's a gift, but we just can't stay there. We can't stay mm. in denial because we have to move on to the next stage. And so you really have to acknowledge the hard reality you're going through. And, um, and that takes us to stage two. Second stage is anger. Anger, I like to call it a, a breaking point where you get pushed to the point of, of where you're feeling like threatened by the new reality where it could be if, if someone's threatening you or if like actually the hard reality you're facing is actually a threat towards your, your emotional healing, is a threat towards um, being able to process because it's actually almost like a vent, like it has to be released um, in order to be able to take the pressure down of the situation. 
Um, and so often in that, in, in anger, it's, it's a bit of a fight or flight response that we feel. Um, there's, there's cortisol that gets released um, as a result of stress. Uh, and, and there's often been links between um, undealt with anger and, and health problems. Sure. Um, th th that has been done in research. And it's, it's really important that, that we actually do process anger really well. Because it, it's an emotion. It's, it's something that God gave us. It's, it's something that's important. And if, if we don't process anger, we're not going to be able to move forward and take those steps forward. So th there's, a, there's a phrase that I really like to use that, that I saw uh, a couple of weeks ago was, give motion to your emotions. I love that. And that's really what we were speaking about in the Disney Pixar Inside Out story, because the little girl never gave uh, motion to her emotions. So she actually started becoming stagnant and depressed. Mm. Uh, but when she was allowed to process her pain and cry, um, then joy came and she was able to enjoy those memories afterwards. Yeah. And it's so important that you also give yourself permission to feel. Yeah. Because when we give motion to our emotions, it has to flow. It's, it's not something that we must hold on to, that we must bottle. And, and we'll speak a little bit more about bottling emotions a little bit later. But actually, when we give ourselves permission to feel, we, we actually allow ourselves to heal at the same time. So practically, how do we do that? Practically and very simply, go for a run. Yeah. Okay, because what running does is it releases endorphins. Or which, exercise, hey? Yeah, exercise in general. And it releases endorphins that, that counter the cortisol from stress. Um, meditation has been proven to do a really good job of actually allowing us to process our anger that actually, we, as Christians, that we go to God when, when we're meditating on word, when we're meditating in worship. Yeah. Um, it allows us to work through it and then get around people who will get around you. Um, get around people that will be a part of your journey about your process and, and let them walk it through with you. Yeah. So uh, we're going to jump into like a question we want you guys to answer. And I think the question is, are you honest with God? And, and here's the thing. God uh, chooses to withhold his, himself, all of himself from you. So he's not reading your mind. And he, and he really wants a relationship with you. So are you actually honest with God and saying, God, I'm angry with you about this, or God, this is what's causing me pain? And, um, and, and so the question we want you to discuss and hit pause, this, you can discuss it in your groups or um, just take some time to write it down now as you're listening is, what do you need to be honest about? What are the things in your life that you're like, I actually need to sit down and tell God about this. Maybe I need to chat to my parents about it. I need to chat to a leader, a psychologist, but what do you need to be honest about? Okay, the next stage that I want to talk about is bargaining. So bargaining, I like to call it the, the what if, if only stage. Um, and, and just in my story is, so when my dad passed away, um, I was asking God like things like what if I was there helping him when, when he was cycling, would sure. it have made a difference? If only I was there to maybe do CPR and, and help, help him out, maybe it would have been a different time um, and, and the outcome would have been completely different and so like it's, it's, it's almost like I was negotiating with God in that time instead of actually just allowing myself to process and, and feel the new reality. Um, because in this, like you're trying to justify, you're trying to come up with ways that you could have implemented yourself into 
into the, the hard reality that you're facing. And for me, it was actually trying to see what ways could I have actually been able to help out. In reality, I know that there was probably no way I could have helped out. Yeah. Um, but I think for me, trying to find that peace was actually trying to find a way to to move forward was actually by saying, hey, like I could have done, I could have done something about this. Um, and, and that follows on from anger because it, it, in both those stages, you're going into the past. Yeah. And, and you're returning into ways that are, are really hard and, and it's not gonna be helpful if you keep returning and staying there. But and you do have to go there to process yes. what's happened to you. Yes. Whether it's as something as little as missing out on a sports game or missing out on school or something as big as your father passing away. Yeah. And, and the reality of this is you're actually becoming disconnected from reality. You're becoming sure. disconnected from um, what you're facing right now and what you're facing here. Yeah. And, and it's almost like a coping mechanism to be able to go back and, and move forward. Yeah, that's really good. And I think with, when it comes to bargaining, it's like anytime we're, um, we're trying to rationalize what happened. And so to get through the stage, it's really about giving up control yeah. and realizing, hey, I can't control my life or anyone else's life. Um, and actually, even God himself, he chose not to be in control. He chose to be in charge. But in order to give us freedom, gave up control. Yeah. And so like, we can't control everything. And if we try to spend our whole life trying to control everything, we, we're never going to live in freedom. Yeah. And so by getting through bargaining, you have to acknowledge that you can't control. Yeah, and it's interesting to say that because um, Craig Rochelle likes to put it like this, you can either have growth or control, but you can't have both. That's really good. Dr. Caroline Leaf said this, acknowledge your emotions and thoughts, but don't accept them as facts. So you acknowledge that you wish these things, you can acknowledge that I wish I was there with my dad. I can acknowledge that I have these thoughts and feelings, but it's actually, it's not factual that I could have changed anything. And um, that's really good. That's what's next. The next stage is depression. Sure. And and this is a big one because we we're not gonna try and explain it. We're not gonna try and actually say like this is what it is because I think we're all pretty aware of of what it is, especially after the last year that we've experienced. Yeah. What we want to do with this stage is actually give you some practical stuff to to work through. Um, and and. What, what it is, is actually going from what you're feeling in the past, so that's anger and bargaining, to actually coming into the presence and experiencing the reality as it is, that it is a hard thing to face. Mm. Um, and, and we become sad in that, and, and, we feel, and we feel the gap, we feel the loss of, of what you may be experiencing. Um, and yeah, it's important that we, we focus on that, and we don't just try and rush through it. I think we must acknowledge that there is no time limit for grief. There is no time limit for feeling these hard times. For me, it took three or four years before I actually could process my dad's death yeah. properly. Um, and, and it's not this thing that you go step by step by step, this happens at this point and this will happen in order to feel this and I'll be happy at this. Yeah. Like it's, 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 it's a spinning feeling that you go through. Um, and it can feel quite empty at the same time. But I think that the key things I learned in this, in this stage when, when I was going through it was actually to be really kind to yourself. Yeah, that's so good. And uh, it's so much about um, like feel what you need to feel um, and let the feelings move. And I think I've got this picture of like 
like going down into the pit of pain and feelings and sitting in the pit and like yeah. actually allowing yourself to feel and it's not even allowing i think that's what depression is it's when all those feelings actually become overwhelming and yeah. they start depressing you and so uh this is not a scientific definition this is ben's understanding clinical depression um when that when the when the chemicals in your brain actually break and you've stepped into a permanent state of depression is when you've sat in the pit for such a long time that your brain is rewired and it thinks that's how it has to live yeah. by. Um, and so what we want to say is you actually need to take breaks from your feelings. You can't live in the pit. You need to climb in the pit and feel it, but actually then you need to do something that gets you out of the pit. So if that's getting around people, if that's watching something funny on TV, if it's um, going for a run, all those things help get you out of the pit because you can't live in that feeling of pain all the time. Yeah, and it's important that we don't hold on to it and we don't bottle it. Yeah. Because bottling it can lead to a bigger explosion of emotions at a later stage rather than like dealing with a small amount right now and processing and working through it through these stages. It's actually important that we don't bottle and hold on to those emotions because then we get into that that pit that you're talking about and our brain does get rewired and we stay there. Yeah. So uh we want to say like this um emotions or feelings are like kids in a car. Mm. And so we can't let them drive the car yeah. because then we would go off the road. But we also can't put them in the trunk because if you've ever had a little kid around, when they get hungry or thirsty or tired, they start making a very loud noise. So you can imagine if you lock the kid in the trunk for a couple of hours, it's going to start screaming and shouting and it's going to do whatever it takes to break out. That's what our emotions are like. If we try to bottle them up, they're eventually going to explode. Um, but if we let them drive the car, we're probably going to get the car crash. So the, yeah. the kids need to be on the back seat. Your emotions and feelings need to be in the back seat with you in the driver's seat next to Holy Spirit. Um, so here's here's some questions we want you guys to ask yourselves. Pen or paper, write them down. Um, first question is, where do you need support? And so remember, it's not me, but we. So where do you need support? And and who can you go for support? But write that write that that answer down. Where, where do you need support? Next question is how can you be kinder to yourself? That's a really big one. A really great tool for being kind to yourself is imagining yourself as a as a small child instead of as you are because we're very hard on ourselves sometimes mm. as adults, but when you put that same position on a small child, you can be kinder to them. So how do you need to be kind to yourself? And then a great step to being kind to yourself is how can you speak to yourself differently? Um in the situation you're in. So, yeah. Um example. One, one of the things I use is um when when I was going through through all these with with my dad was I had a list of things I would say to myself and I'd put them up next to my mirror and every morning I'd look myself in the mirror sure. and it, that also goes hand in hand with being kind to yourself. It's like I'd give myself a whole bunch of affirmations in the morning. Like I'm worthy, I'm loved, I'm kind. Today's going to be a good day. Mm-hmm. Um the just to name a few but it's it's actually having that list in front of you and and looking yourself because ultimately it's it's your journey and it's it's something you have to work through yeah and so if you find yourself saying you're an idiot you're fat you're ugly um you're stupid you can't any of those things you're not being kind to yourself so the three questions again where do you need support how can i be kinder to myself and how can i speak differently to myself have some time with that So Tom Brady has his sixth ring. 
No, whatever. It's, it's his seventh ring. His seventh ring. I don't really know what that means, but I know some people are very excited about it. So some people are really going to have to accept that the other dude lost. Who's the other dude? Uh, Paddy Mahomes. Paddy, Paddy Mahomes. So we, we need to accept Paddy Mahomes last. <laughs> Talk to us about acceptance. Acceptance in, in my journey, in my experience, was learning to live with the new reality. Yeah. Um, and it's about finding things that we can be hopeful for, even though we may be feeling down and out, like it's actually trying to find where, where are the nuggets of gold that, that God has left for us. Yeah. Um, where can I find hope in, in this hard reality that I'm facing? For me, it was actually coming to church um, and forcing myself to come, even though I didn't really want to come, yeah. but I knew it was good for me. Um, and, and slowly from that, I started building hope and building something where I could experience the future that God had for me. Um, even though I couldn't see it right now, I knew it was coming. So for me, acceptance is really like when I get to the place where I'm no longer denying my emotions, I'm no longer bargaining with them, I'm no longer um, letting them, I'm no longer living in them, but I'm saying, yes, my reality has changed. Yeah. I can no longer go to school, or I've lost that thing, or my father has passed away. Uh, but really, uh, I know that God is good, and I know that despite the reality being different, I can move forward and I can live in hope and victory in this new reality. Yeah, and I think that, that leads towards mindfulness because now you're becoming mindful of what you're experiencing, you're becoming mindful of others, you're becoming mindful of yourself and, and actually taking care of yourself really well. Yeah. And there's that level of self-awareness um, that, that I can get through this, that I can actually overcome this. Not, not like moving on from it, but actually moving forward. That's good, yeah. Um, and and that, that was key to my healing, was actually knowing that, hey, like, the situation with my dad, like I love him, I still love him, and he still means a lot to me, but actually I'm not trying to move on from him, I'm trying to move forward. In the new reality, that's yeah. so good. So Paul puts it this way in Philippians 4, verse 12 and 13, I know what it means to lack, and I know what it means to experience overwhelming abundance, for I am trained in the secret of overcoming all things, whether in fullness or in hunger, and I find strength in Christ's explosive power infuses me to conquer every difficulty. Come on, what a passage. And so I think that's the reality we live in acceptance, that actually we have the power of Christ in us. And it doesn't yeah. matter if we have a lot or we have nothing, but we have the power to overcome every difficulty. Um, I think a couple disclaimers just as we land this thing together. One, pain is relative. Yeah. And so you might listen to Jared's story of losing his dad and think, I've got no reason to be depressed or no reason to feel pain because all I lost was this. But actually, pain is relative to every person and we can't compare ourselves. Yeah, and if you don't deal with it, then you're not going to give yourself that healing journey and that's going to be bottling it up and it's going to come out bigger at a later stage. Yeah. And um, yeah, pain is relevant to people, what they've experienced. So don't compare your pain to somebody else's pain and actually never tell someone that their pain doesn't matter because you've experienced more pain. Yeah. Don't tell to say someone, hey, just like this little thing in your life is not important uh, because to them it's a really big deal. Um, let's quickly talk about um, for those people that have the superhero complex that want to help other people. Yeah, I think it's important that we try and avoid rescuing or fixing people um, because ultimately we want to support them but we don't want to fix it for them because it's their journey. It's not, and as much as you want to come and help, like don't, don't try and force that help on people because yeah. sometimes they're actually not going to want your help. 
and they're going to want to process things on their own. Yeah, and also we're not Jesus. We can't save anyone. So I can be there for you. I can be present. Yeah. I can be empathetic and, uh, and um, not be sympathetic. Sympathetic is just when I say I'm sorry for that. But empath empathy is when I feel the pain with you. Yeah. And, uh, and being present with them in their pain is so important. But I can't actually save you because only Jesus can do that. Yeah. And in being present, we've also got to, if you have the capacity for it, to be available and accessible yeah. um, for, for help. Because people with superhero complex tend to burn themselves out to try to help others. Yeah. Not super helpful. And then be available and accessible, but only if you have the capacity. Don't try to don't try do it if you actually need to take time and rest for yourself. So um, here's a question just to land. Um, what is God's heart for you through each stage? Just ask God, what's your heart for me? And um, uh, yeah, discuss with him a little bit like what he wants you to do because his heart for you is freedom and victory. His heart for you that you is that you're loved and that you're known and that yeah. you know he's your source. He is life. And uh, just chat to him about that and you can write down some words that he gives you. been a big episode it was a good episode i really felt holy spirit throughout there yeah yeah i think these are important things we need to talk about them and uh guys we just wanted to be real like we've we've had a lot of big stuff happen yeah. in the last year and a half and we just want to give space to our emotions to grieve so that jesus can come and bring joy um so father we ask for everyone listening to this podcast that they would know your son jesus is with them that your love is bigger than anything that they face. And Father, we speak hope and life into every situation right now. They'd be so aware of your presence, your grace, and Jesus, that you would help them process every stage of emotion. In your mighty name. Amen. Amen. It's been a good episode. It's been a good episode. Check you guys next week. We love you loads. Over and out. <laughs>